0: you use them. T minus three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the BizDoc Podcast. I'm Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and we got three things this week in terms of stats, and they are all heading down. First of all, we have got housing vacancies, all-time low, down. Then we've got used car prices down, but that's a good thing. Something's going down that that's actually good for consumers. And then we have a bad down. Lockdown drove down test scores for eighth graders. We're going to prove how bad the lockdown was during COVID and what we have to do to lift it back up, especially if you're at home and you've got an eighth grader. And then today we have a case study on Fisker. Now You may remember Fisker being that original electronic vehicle car company back in 07, 08, 09. It has been reborn and they are delivering cars, including one that the BizDoc bought. But first, we are here with Kellyanne, the Swiss Army, and I, pulling charts, pulling things together as we sit here and talk and roll into it. Okay, number one, housing vacancies. So let's go to this first chart and take a look at what all this means because I have about three charts here. And I think it's going to mean a lot whether you are in the market for housing or maybe you're in a company that is servicing renters or homeowners. There's a lot of interesting stuff here. The first thing is gross vacancy rates. They take total households. That could be a one-bedroom apartment. That could be a 10,000-square-foot house. It's anything that is called a dwelling or a home. And the vacancy rates, as you can see, 2008, they were way up. 14 15% of homes in America were vacant. Now, why was that in 2008? Because if you saw the movie, The Big Short, they overbuilt the houses, they gave them to people that couldn't afford mortgages, and then entire villages sat completely empty. You saw what happened outside of Las Vegas. And what was that again? What was it? I think it was Salt Lake City, right outside Salt Lake City, lots of vacancy rate. Nonetheless, when you watch the big short, you can also see them coming to South Florida where that alligator was in the pool, and you can see the vacancy rate. But that's 2008. That's the housing crisis of 08. Coming back over here, you can see where we are today, 10.5%. So the fact that people can't find housing, affordable houses, thanks to interest rates and the price of houses, and then finding affordable hu- Uh, apartments or townhouses or you know rental typical rental housing also very tough to find so now let's go from the general to the specific let's go to the next chart and let's look at the difference between homes and rentals so that was the main chart that showed you we're down to 10 percent 10.5 percent vacancy here in the united states this chart shows you again you can go there's 2008 where everything peaks up now you see where it comes down. Rental vacancies and homeowner vacancies going lower and lower and lower, meaning it's tough to find housing in America, specifically housing you can afford. And this is a fun thing that I like to call lies, damn lies, and statistics. Let's pop up to the next chart. This shows, okay, the top five states by vacancy rates. She's Maine, Vermont, Alaska, Florida, Hawaii. Wait, Florida, that vacant? How could Florida be that vacant? All these people are moving down here. Well, let's go down and look a little deeper. Let's go to the next chart. Next chart you have, oh, Cape Coral, Fort Myers, 38.2% vacant. Folks, again, lies, damn lies and statistics. Cape Coral, Florida had a hurricane that struck less than a year ago and it destroyed 4,000 homes from Cape Coral, Fort Miles, to Sarasota, Bradenton, and damaged 40,000 others. So this is really kind of ridiculous. They should have uh, adjusted for this. You do have a lot of vacancy there. It's homes that are being rebuilt following the, the hurricane, but technically you're logged in right now is vacant. So you basically, those first two is a joke. Forget that they exist. So this is where I think sometimes, and by the way, this all comes from the Census Bureau. So you would think that there'd be some sort of an asterisk that says, oh, and by the way, these markets are highly impacted by hurricane, FEMA dollars and all these things, that's where all the vacant homes. And you can see the rest of those markets, you know, Dayton, Ohio, Tucson, Arizona, New Orleans, we're we're sitting around 14, 13% vacancy rate. And so there you have it. So what does that mean for you? That means if you're in home building and you could build, you know, rental properties, you could build townhouses, small groups of apartments, Eight unit apartment building, four on the bottom, four on top. You've seen those four and fours. You know, if you are the ability to do that, there is such opportunity right now in the United States. And the other thing is I had a couple comments that came in over the weekend that we were looking here that says, hey, BizDoc, I'm in services. I'm in household services. And I looked at that. And I'm like, wait a minute. If it's from maids to exterminator, you know, they come once a day, once a a day, they come once a month and they spray around your house and everything, all those things that are household services, boy, I think there's opportunity in that. And that's what I'd be looking at. So I think what this shows is it is a tough time to rent or buy in America. And it's not just what you're hearing on housing prices and interest rates. There's also not enough uh, rental units or rental units in the right places so that the price could come down. Kellyanne, what are you and your and your friends and your generation while you're saving to buy a house? I know that's what you're doing. Yes. What is your generation experiencing down here? And we're in we're basically in South Palm Beach County, which is Deerfield Beach, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, you know, uh, actually, excuse me, South Beach, Palm Beach County stops at Boca. Then you have Broward County, where you have Deerfield and Pompano and North Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale by the Sea, and you have that all area going all the way out to. Coral Springs, uh, Parkland, areas like this where there there has been a lot of building. But what do you see happening in terms of rental housing here in South Florida?
1: Uh, we're kind of seeing the same thing. My brother and I, uh, I'm looking, a lot of my friends are looking. There's so, There are a lot of new buildings going up, but they're expensive. And if you're a single person, it's very difficult for you to be able to afford a an apartment by yourself. If you have a significant other, like my brother and his girlfriend are able to afford an apartment in one of these new buildings. Um, the other problem is, is that if you're looking to buy, uh, it's still it's still a little iffy right now with the market and inflation. So um, it's kind of just a, a waiting game right now. You're like, okay, this is the best option right now. I've got like two roommates and we're doing fine, but we all wanna have our own place. Um, and so it's just hoping that magic wand is going to appear and, like, the perfect storm will come together for the right location.
0: Well, it's about, pricing is often about supply and demand. If you have a new apartment place and they charge the best dollar for it, there still has to be enough demand to pay that. Mm-hmm. So now we go to something of interest to this generation, <clears throat> used car prices. Let's go check this out. Okay. So now, used car prices. In the middle of the pandemic, right? 2001, 2021, whammo, used car prices went up. Now they're, And what this is, the 100 there was, uh, what was 100%, or let's just call that the even value before the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, suddenly cars were up 25%, represented by the 125. Now they've come down to about 112, 110, getting there, so they've come down. And what this means is that the pressure on used car prices is coming down. And it means that if your car gets totaled or stolen and you need to go out and find a car, by the way, used cars doesn't mean 10-year-old car with a lot of problems. It could be a three-year-old car that was on a lease, a short-term lease, that was properly cared for, and now the dealer has a car back with, say, 15,000 miles on it, That's a used car, but that's a used car. You probably have some sort of manufacturer warranty that's left on it, and it still is in great condition with not a lot of miles. Which actually, in terms of Dave Ramsey and people that think like Dave Ramsey, that's a way where a lot of times people save money on used cars and take a look it shows that it's coming down so this is a positive sign for the consumer in america it still needs to come down a little bit more but it means that the pressure is alleviating for those people that find themselves in a situation where they need to upgrade the car so i think that's one of the things that shows that inflation may bring it up but the price may come back down this has happened with energy and, as we've seen, with eggs. But there's a bunch of things that are still there in the short, uh, shelves of the grocery store that have not come back down, which is a, a struggle. And a lot of people think maybe they won't be coming back down. Next, now let's go. We're all talking about consumers today. So let's go back down, Kellyanne, and let's go take a look. We were just talking about the lockdown and what it did to used car prices. Let's go look and see what happened to lockdown when kids were not in school. Okay, let me take you through this real quick. What this is looking at is the difference from 2018 to 2022. So 2018, we were all at school full time. 2019, we were at school full time. It was February, March of 2020. Boom, you know, COVID hit and we were all sent home. I had to wear masks, you know, everywhere we went. Now, Everybody came back through 22, kids were back in school, and they got tests. These are the standardized tests that are given to eighth graders. So if you're in the eighth grade, or you're a parent eighth grade, or you're an older brother or sister, or an aunt and uncle, once a year, you're that individual, those little students that are in your life are going to say, oh, we just sat around for three days taking these tests, filling in those little bubbles and stuff. Well, guess what? Those are standardized tests. Sometimes it's called Stanford 9 test or the national test. Those are tests that are taken by all students in all public schools. And they round up the test scores. Now they've got the full year as we sit here in the fourth quarter, just started fourth quarter, 2023. They have tabulated all of the scores through the end of 22. It takes some time to do that because they are the government. And look at what they see. Upper left. History scores. Now these are looking at the percentiles. So basically it looks at the 90th percentile, really good students, seven-fifth percentile, say B-level students, and then mid-students, lower students. In every case, the test scores are points down. Why is that? Because you locked them down and they got inadequate education for a year and a half when they were in sixth grade or thereabouts during the lockdown, that happened during COVID. And for some public schools, it was almost two years. Most schools, it was 14 to 18 months where they finally loosened up and you came back to school, and, but it was still kind of you know, catching up, getting back into the rhythm of things. Now let's look at civics, you know, minus one, minus two, minus three. Now then, those areas are sort of humanities, liberal arts, reading, humanities, liberal arts, Minus 2, minus 2, minus 3, minus 4, minus 4 are going down. But look what happened to math. Math, minus 8, minus 8, minus 8, minus 8, minus 7. All across the board, whether you were a high-performing student in 2018 or a high-performing student then in 2022, your test scores were down. Don't let anybody tell you that the lockdown had no effect on them. And what do you do? These are eighth graders. If there's an eighth grader in your life and you know I am married to the BizDoc babe who is a career teacher. And if I sound a little angry, a little amped up at this moment, it's because I flipping am. Now is the time that you need to be working with your sister, your brother. You know, if you're an aunt or uncle, enrichment materials. We're coming to the holiday time. You can get kids books that provide extra acceleration for math. And a lot of them are done in kind of a fun way. You can find enrichment materials that are kind of fun. And I would get kids reading during this holiday break, get them reading, and give them a challenge. Say, hey, if you read two books during the holiday break and you read another book during spring break, I, your uncle, am gonna give you a gift card for Amazon so you could go buy those um, Air Jordan Lowe's for next summer. I will do it, I will give you an incentive. Likewise on the math. What you need to do is be working with these students because that year and a half at a critical time from sixth to seventh grade has put them behind. I'm talking about all students, but we have the test scores now to prove what happened to those eighth graders going from sixth grade to eighth grade and you can see the scores are down. So as an aunt, an uncle, a mom or dad, or an interested person where you have a friend who's got kids, enrichment materials, go look it up. Education enrichment materials you know middle school enrichment materials bonus materials find stuff that will be helpful to them but i think you need to be spending the next two full years putting a little bit more in front of your kids so that they can get a little bit more of a leg up and a little bit more practice and make it make it fun make it an incentive program make the you know give them their free time maybe take away digital game time and say hey you got to give me an hour of extra reading this week or two hours extra reading. And I'll give you back an hour of favorite game time on your mobile phone or your iPad or your PlayStation, you know, on Saturday. You gotta find ways to do a little bit more with these kids because it's our future we're dealing with. It wasn't their fault that these policy of lockdown happened, but it is our collective reality. So go do something for it. So I'm gonna calm down a little bit now. So Kellyanne, do you have nieces and nephews? I do. And what There's do you do? <laughs> you know what? The best gift you could give them is workbooks that are fun and enrichment materials. What happens? What are what are they what are they doing when they're done with the homework?
1: A lot of kids I've, I'm seeing now is because, and I babysit a lot too. And a lot of kids are struggling with. They're like, "Oh, I can't do it," and they just give up because they haven't had that person in class to tell them. Hey, here's the walkthrough. Here's how you do it. So when I see kids get frustrated doing their homework, I'm like, this is really easy. Let's just walk through it together. And they need someone to show them how to do it, and then you have them keep practicing. And giving them the workbooks and making it fun, making it like a game, using the reward system. So if you finish these ten problems, we can watch a, a TV show together. We can watch Coco Melon or whatever it is. You know, if you finish uh, reading this chapter, we can uh, go outside and play um but going back to a reward system and having someone that will spend the time to teach them what to do oftentimes parents are like i don't exactly know what my kid's learning so they have to learn it themselves and they Mm -hmm. get frustrated too but having uh mentors or um advisors or or baby have your babysitters be intelligent people and have them help catch your kids back up in school
0: exactly and if, if you're babysitting kids third fourth fifth sixth grade Maybe the game is, hey, we're going to do an exercise, all of us are going to do an exercise, and then we're going to watch the, um, you know, end game. We're going to watch, you know, the, you know, one of their favorite movies, you know, or whatever it is. But that's my recommendation, and that's coming from the BizDoc, babe. Invest in the kids, and there's ways to, we have to accelerate the kids to make up for the deceleration that happened. And speaking of never giving up and keeping investing in it, We now have a case study on Fisker. This is really amazing. I'm looking forward to this. And we are going to go over to Studio B, and I'm going to take my vault, and I got to unlock your brain with the vault. And I hope I'm unlocking your brains here with this. I've got black cherry today. You get black cherry, watermelon, cucumber, mint, and coconut, all available. Buy a case on Amazon. Let me know what you think. Put it down in the comments. But right now, I'm going to unlock my brain. I'm going to try and unlock your brain with a little trip down the story of Fisker. Let's go to Studio B. All right, I found my board here. Set down my vault. Okay, Fisker. There are actually two chapters to Fisker. The Fisker logo you see here, maybe maybe looks familiar, maybe doesn't look familiar. There are two Fiskers, and let's walk through and then see where they are today. First of all, where did it all begin? That's Heinrich Fisker. He's a Dane, and he was the co-founder of the original Fisker in 2007. And it was a high-end EV called the Karma. Those of you that are car nuts probably remember the Karma, remember what they talked about it. Unfortunately, the company went bankrupt in 2013, and there was an asset sale in 2014. Now, bankruptcy doesn't mean you go out of business. Sometimes bankruptcy is an opportunity to consolidate your debts, renegotiate your debts with banks. But in this case, it ended up in an asset sale to a third party, and this was the beautiful Fisker Karma. Now you probably remember it. Gorgeous car, remember that's 2008, 2009. Look at that car. Was really swoopy design, room for four people. You know, a lot of the early things of EVs. And then, what does he do? Well, after the asset sale, Heinrich Fisker says, Chapter 2 is going to be better than Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is bankruptcy. Chapter 2 is he goes out and he founds Fisker Incorporated to make electronic vehicles in 2016. We've got a guy here, Henrik Fisker, who is absolutely passionate about fulfilling his dream, passionate about getting there. And so the fact that he didn't succeed the first time, he learned a lot, and you're going to see what he did with that learning, and he goes after it again. This time he's like, Beauty, functionality, and advanced technology. He wants beauty. He's a designer. He's designed a lot of the nicest cars, including uh, DBs, Aston Martin DBs. He was actually a designer on, and functionality. And you're going to find out how they put the functionality in these Fiskers and advanced technology. Well, the first car, the Ocean midsize crossover SUV. Look at that. It looks. It's got that high shoulder design you know the low window design kind of like the land rover evoke but it's its own car really a beautiful beautiful mid-size suv with a lot of space in there room for four and it goes zero to 60 in four seconds which is pretty amazing electric cars are known for their speed okay so we understand all this it's great he's out there again but what did he do different let's take a look so he took an entirely different approach to Fisker Inc., the second one, than he did from the first one. The first thing is outsource manufacturing. Magna Steyr is an Austrian company that's a contract manufacturer that actually builds electron, electric vehicles. Can't even talk today, needs some more vault. And they made an arrangement with Fisker to build the ocean and any other cars that are coming into design going to be introduced by Heinrich. And in return, they got paid for the cars, but they also got about 6% of Fisker Equity. So they are a true partnership, putting it all together. Well, that's a different way to get the cars made. Now, he doesn't have to build factories. Remember, Elon Musk, the factories are all built for Tesla. He builds his own factories, including, you've heard, the Giga Factory, where they're doing battery work. So there's everything is Fisker. It's, It's, hey, let's find friends. Let's find partner subs. Let's figure out how to do it that way. So... Also, remember, technology is part of this. Take a look at the solar roof that's on the Fisker Ocean midsize crossover. That gives you about a 1,000 miles of range per year. And I'm told if you park two hours at the mall that it may give you around 10 miles of charge there, enough to get to a charging location where you can get things together. Very interesting stuff. Very, very smart. And you're going to find this technology present in a lot of their other vehicles I'm going to talk about coming soon right now they're being delivered well in addition to that you also need to raise some capital so that they got out in the middle of the spac revolution july 2020 for an ipo and they did the ipo with the spac so you just kind of roll onto the market in a conversion transaction rather than a roadshow and an ipo that's led by a big investment bank like goldman sachs morgan stanley jp morgan any of those They got together with Apollo Global and went public with the SPAC. Now, the SPACs go out at about $10 a share typical, and there they are. They go out at $10 a share, get up as high as $30 a share, but then it's kind of come all the way down here to where we are right now at $6 a share. And at $6 a share here, it's about a $2 billion market cap, meaning at $30 a share, which would have been five times that, the market cap was as much as $10 billion. So they've been up to a market cap as much as $10 billion. So what was happening here? Coming out of COVID, they had some issues delivering vehicles. They got going a little bit slower than they wanted, and they've been burning a lot of money on there to make all that happen. So consequently, they really haven't shown what the p l looks like and the quarterly results look like when you're delivering cars and making a profit on each one. So you can see what's happening there. So right now they're sitting at about 35% off of the SPAC price of 10 bucks. That's not crazy, but it's certainly not great. And the line is red because unless you bought it right here and sold it right here, there've been very few places you would make money as an investment on Fisker. However, it looks like all of that's gonna change and we'll tell you how. Okay, so things did take longer, but it was worth the wait. Check this out. 2023, there's been a lot going on. Let's take a look. First of all, In January 1st, they announced they had 63,000 pre-orders. Now, the BizDoc has one. I have one of the very early vehicles, one of the first 5,000. I am a shareholder, an investor, so I kind of got at the head of the line for this. But there's 63,000 pre-orders for this. Then in May, they said the first ocean was delivered to a consumer customer in Denmark. Fantastic stuff. Then in the United States, they had to take it to the EPA. You know those window stickers whenever you buy a car, it says this is the mileage and everything? Well, the EPA is in control of that, and you have to prove what your mileage is. Well, the EPA confirmed the range of an o- Fitzger Ocean at 360 miles, <clears throat> making it the longest range of any EV under And the ocean is about $65,000, $68,000 loaded up out the door, including tax. Then June 23rd, hey, that's my birthday. 22 oceans, the first 22 were delivered in the United States. A lot of private equity people, Fisker executives and folks got their hands on those. Then September 4th, they announced that 3,100 Oceans had been delivered. And then they let this leak out less than a month later that the 5,000th ocean had been produced. So they did another 1,900 in the three weeks. In other words, they had finally gotten up to almost 100 a day, pretty impressive. Then October 10th, just a couple days ago, they said, we will be at 300 a day in no time. Well, they better get there because 300 a day is 1,000 every three days. And you got to deliver 63,000 for all these pre-orders that are out there. A very exciting time. Now then, what's next? Well, he's a designer, Henrik Fischer, and he's got big dreams. Look at what he's got for 2025. 2025, January 1st, which is only about uh, 13 months from now, they will be able to use all the Tesla charging stations in America. They made a deal with Tesla to use the supercharger stations. And they said in Q1, the Alaska, which is a pickup truck at only 45,400 starts at. I bet you it's going to be about 55,000 with a bunch of options on it. But take a look at that and a cute little pickup truck, four-door, a lot of versatility for the active generation, but that's gonna be out in Q1 2025. Then they're coming out with, they call this the pair, Q3 2025, it's a small crossover, and you can see the way the rear tire comes all the way to the door, it's a little bit smaller, and there's technology bits that they put in this. Remember the the roof that they put on the Fisker Ocean? I'm told the roofs are gonna be there, the electric roofs, and This one is made to be useful in cities where there's tight parking. The tailgate actually goes down and under the car disappearing. So there's nothing to open up to put your groceries or cargo or things in. And the back of the pickup truck actually extends out so that the bed of the pickup truck is nine feet long. That gives you enough room for surfboards, gives you enough room for a bunch of bikes, amazing stuff. So he's really thinking about an active generation and making all this stuff practical. And this will be the least expensive EV in America at 29 dollars provided that by uh, uh, just Two years from now, exactly, nobody else comes out and beats the price. Then, remember the Fisker Karma, the supercar? Heinrich Fisker can't have a car company without a supercar. So now, the Ronin, and they only are going to make 999 of them. Ronin, does anybody remember the guy? What's this? John Frankenheimer, I think that was his name. He makes all the uh, uh, movies with all the, the car chases and stuff. I think that's his name. Anyway, Ronin is named for one of his movie and movie characters that came together. And it will be a GT Cabrio supercar starting at $385,000. That's a mechanical Cabrio where the, the roof kind of ends up in the trunk. You've seen some of those mechanical. Lexus has one. The Ferrari California does that. But that's what it will do. And it's actually a four-door car. If you look close, there's two little bitty doors right here. And they kind of open up fanway and you can get four people into there although they say it seats five but i looked at it and i've seen the pictures and i will say you will definitely be able to get four people in there comfortably and by the way it's a thousand horsepower a thousand freaking horsepower in electrical equivalent just absolutely amazing so what's coming next 2005 if they hit their marks it's going to be a busy year look at these beautiful cars I'm being, yes, I'm an owner, but I'm being very objective. If they can pull it off, in other words, they can make the cars, get them to the market, have good quality and everything else, then you know what? There's going to be some exciting times. And I think this is very, very interesting to see an EV company bringing out cars aimed at the consumer market that can really appreciate you know, economically priced vehicles. And that is Fisker 2.0. So. What are the lessons for you and me? What can you and I learn from this? Well, the first thing is, as I shared, sometimes bankruptcy simply means starting over. It doesn't mean the company's dead. It means maybe you just find a way to, you know, renegotiate your loans or everything, get the payments down and give yourself a chance to start over. Happens all the time in business. But true failure would be giving up on an idea that has traction. Now, if you're trying to build some software you know i like to say t-shirt company berlin or a technology company in silicon valley but if you're trying to build a company and you just can't find the customers and it just won't work it may be time to quit because either the market wasn't there or the product wasn't there But if you've got something like he did, people love the Fisker karma. They love that EV. It was the economics that crushed him and all the debt and everything that went with it. So when he started over, he knew people are going to love EVs. I'm a great designer. I can put it out and I'm going to get it there. And that's what Heinrich Fisker did. Entrepreneurs who face near-death experiences, not just Heinrich Fisker. How about this guy, Elon Musk? go back uh, he talks about two thousand eight two thousand and nine he almost lost everything he was taking loans from friends and he was trying to do you know space and he also had Tesla getting off the ground then Walt Disney believe it or not Walt Disney almost went broke trying to do what he did before he did it with Steamboat Willie and the first uh, movie that was Mickey Mouse that became Walt Disney very interesting Henry Ford Henry Ford actually had a personal collapse before he founded ford motor company these are entrepreneurs that refused to give up stan lee until the marvel movies came back and made him a whole bunch of money and hats off because we lost stan lee about a year ago you know he went to the you know the, the big cinema in the sky stan lee until all those movies gave him tremendous wealth and licensing we could see him peeking at us and the scenes and a a whole bunch of of these great movies that were out. He almost went bankrupt before all the comics and everything took off. And in year 2000, it was almost curtains on him again until all the movie licensing and everything came back in. And then we know how we love uh, the movies, everything from Iron Man to Endgame. I mean, come on. Then Milton Hershey. If that sounds like chocolate, you're right. But you know, he almost went broke in. Caramel, 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 however you want to pronounce it, depending on what part of the nation you're in. Guess what? He was doing that, and he almost went bankrupt. And then he's like, wait a minute, I'm going to try chocolate. Guess what? It worked. So lessons for you and me is that entrepreneurs may face a near-death experience, but be objective. If the product is really working, there's customers to take it, and you just believe it, go swing at the ball again if you can get everybody together. But if it's just not working and you just don't see the connection and people are being objective with you, maybe it is time to wrap it up. But true failure is giving up when you've got an idea that's got data and facts that is there. That is a little glimpse of how other people like Heinrich Fisker, who had a bankruptcy and had his company sold out from under him, have it. But what I'm gonna do now, I got a little bit of a treat. We're gonna go out and we're gonna do a little unboxing and take a look at a Fisker Ocean, specifically the Fisker Ocean that belongs to the BizDoc. All right, all right, let's walk out and go find it. There it is sitting right over there. Let's go take a look at the Fisker Ocean. And there it is, 2023 Fisker. This is serial number number 416, 416. This is one of the early ones as a shareholder and being involved from practically the beginning to some people. It's just amazing to be connected and seeing this come to life. They call it a mid-sized crossover, goes 360 miles on a charge, has a solar roof on there that gives you about a thousand free miles a year, thanks to that thing, the sun, and Four doors, ton of space inside, space for your friends, and it turns a four-second zero to sixty. So the thing is fast. An amazing display that's in the middle of the front that you'll see there where you got all your controls on there, very similar to Tesla and other, you know, EVs. But what I really like about it is just this is a fun vehicle that is not a lot of dollars. Fully equipped, it's under 70 grand, and just an amazing car. It's the evolution of EVs, and more importantly, the evolution of what I just talked about in the case study as Heinrich Fisker has gone from Fisker 1.0 and that beautiful car, remember that I was showing you, all the way to this, the new car company and the whole line that's coming out and this is the first of them. All right, was that fun? A little bit of a case study and an unboxing experience. Really had a good time doing the Fisker case study and actually doing an unboxing experience there with it, with the Fisker Ocean. Great car, EVs are, are here, and it's great to find one that is really interesting and fun. And speaking of interesting and fun, you can go to Amazon and get your vault drinks, black cherry, watermelon, cucumber, mint, and coconut. Get yourself a case there. If you like this case study and you like today's podcast, there's some others here. They're on the screen. You can click on one of them from the BizDoc case study archive. As we always like to say, we want to leave you better than we found you and give you information that you can use, whether you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur or a leader in any type of business. Until next time, I'm Tom Ellsworth, the BizDoc, and I hope I left you better than I found you.